August, and welcome to the Mental Minute with Michigan Medicine, where we talk all things mental health. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Fallis. With me is Will Heininger. Will, how are things? Hey, Jeremy. Things are good and busy. Um, definitely wedding season. In fact, next weekend, I will be officiating a wedding for the first time. Um, and of all people, it's between a Spartan and a Buckeye, and I'm not allowed to mention any of that then, so I'll mention it now. But I hope the weather cools off a bit and that power is restored around our great state of Michigan. Um, but that's what's going on over here. How are things on your end? What's going on with the Fallis fam? Things are good. We just returned from a vacation up north on the Leelanau Peninsula. We visited Sleeping Bear Dunes, did some sailing, swimming. We tried to avoid all the floods and lightning storms that took place. Uh, did lots of good stuff. Had my dad up there first time that he got to see Traverse City or Glen Arbor, any of those places. And um, it was really nice to enjoy everything that the Leelanau and Old Mission Peninsulas have to offer. And, uh, and then we had a quick turnaround. We Avoided that massive thunderstorm by literal minutes uh, that took place in Southeast Michigan on Thursday. And uh, now we're roaming uh, across Pennsylvania and a work from away kind of life at my in-laws in Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, just trying to make sure that we have somebody to watch the kids while we can try and, uh, you know, do our work, do our jobs and amid, amid many other life changes. Yeah, well, sounds like a, a lot's been going on. I'm curious, when you guys were up north, did the kids, uh, did you guys do the sand dunes and and did you guys run down and, and get that experience? Uh, I remember being about your son's age when I first took a tumble sprinting as fast as I could down the sand dunes and, and had that fun. Yeah, so we didn't do the, the dune climb that's off the side of the road, but we did go to the big outlook uh, that has the, you know, goes all the way down to the lake. And he wanted desperately to go down there. Um, and he went part of the way down, but I, I told him, like, I, I'm not dragging you back up. <laughs> it was it was a pretty warm day. It wasn't too windy, which in a way was good, but it was also still very hot. You know, there are tons of different things he can climb up. So he went, he and both his sister, two and nearly six years old, went climbing up into the grasses and they had a great time. So they went rolling down the hills and and while we didn't make it all the way down to the lake, uh, you know, it was, it was just a, such spectacular views, uh, even though we had like the the smog and the and the haze coming from the wildfires. It was kind of cool because it kind of gave that eerie little feeling and the glare off the lake wasn't as bad. And and they had a wonderful time. But no, he didn't get get got all the way down to the lake. Um, I've done that before. That's exhausting to come back. It is quite exhausting. I'll spare you the story of being in my Boy Scout troop and losing our leader and being seven years old, thinking we were all going to die, but um, it's absolutely gorgeous up there and uh, goals for next time. He can maybe make it back to the summit, but uh, you, you mentioned a couple other things I was going to ask about. Uh, you said some major life changes alluded to them. Um, wondering if you want to elaborate any bit more on some of those. Yeah. So for nearly five years, I've been at the depression center, mainly working with the education outreach team. And after nearly five years, I will be departing in about 12 days from the date that we are recording. Uh, so this will be my last podcast recording with you, Will, at least as a co-host, maybe as a guest, I'll get to rejoin. Um, but it's been a wonderful time that I've had uh, at the Depression Center, uh, now named the Eisenberg Family Depression Center. We've seen uh, so many different changes that have gone on between leadership and people coming in and out and lots of improvements that have taken place. And uh, I've had a wonderful time working with everybody. Um, you know, I joined in January 2017. I 
you know, did a lot of great things with the uh, Athletes Connected program and worked with a lot of good people um, and then played, you know, lots of different parts uh, all around uh, what we did at the Depression Center. Um, it, it's it's a little bittersweet to, to certainly go, but I'm really excited. I get to stay within Michigan Medicine. You know, I'll be working as the uh, communications uh, strategist for the uh, chief nursing executive uh, at Michigan Medicine, uh, Dr. Nancy May, uh, and she's a, a wonderful person and a great leader. Um, I'm starting on August 25th. I'm super excited to get going. I get to work with her and her uh, leadership teams uh, over at nursing. Um, so it'll be a lot of new different things to try out, and it'll be another good step in my career. And I'll certainly miss these monthly conversations in a formal manner with you uh, among uh, among a lot of other things. But um, you know, I wouldn't trade in for anything. It's been a great team to work with. And that, to be quite honest, is the hardest thing to leave is, is leaving a good team. Uh, but the good thing is I'm not going anywhere, so we'll still get to hang out and be friends. Yeah, Jeremy, we will miss you for sure. I'll miss these formal conversations, um, but no worries. You will still get plenty of texts about my abysmal golf game and going on in life, probably football here coming up around the corner. Um, but no, we are losing somebody who's extremely talented, has contributed so much um, to the Eisenberg Depression Center, to the outreach and education team and all the programs within that. Um, someone who I know from really enjoyed having as a colleague uh, and just, um, you know, nursing is lucky. They're, they're getting a, a really talented person and, and we will certainly miss you. Uh, the search for co-host is on, but we'll this last episode while we have you. And also, as you said, lucky that University of Michigan is keeping you. You're not going too far. So Fowl's family will still be in the Ann Arbor area. Yeah, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate those words. Well, those were very kind words. Um, you know, I think all the feelings are mutual amongst the whole team. Uh, you know, we work really well together and, you know, it's it's going to be tough to leave, but you know we'll still see each other. We sure will. We sure will. And on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we will get into our sports minute. The Naveed Arif Iqbal Award for Mental Health Advocacy and Stigma Reduction promotes and enhances innovative stigma reduction efforts through a $2,000 grant that will further these endeavors. Raising mental health awareness and reducing stigma is a community-wide effort that includes both interdisciplinary work as well as the creativity, drive, and passion of community members. The purpose of this grant is to support new, innovative, and even experimental approaches to tackling mental health stigma within Washtenaw County, particularly targeting young adults, that is high school ages up to 26 years old. Stigma reduction efforts can take many forms and applicants are encouraged to be creative in their approaches. Visit depressioncenter.org slash Naveed to learn more and apply. And that is depressioncenter.org slash N-A-V-E-E-D. So take a look and submit your ideas, and we look forward to seeing them. Jeremy, you want to take us into our sports minute? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 
Uh, obviously, the Olympics have just concluded, uh, and one of the uh, highlights of the Olympics for many people would have been, you know, Simone Biles and you know a number of other stories that took place in terms of mental health. Um, and the one I want to point out that might not be as well known, uh, but certainly fell into the realm of athletes connected, is that of Stephanie LeBay. She is the starting goalkeeper for the Canadian women's national soccer team. And she was profiled by the men and blazers uh, and, and Coca-Cola. She did like a five minute video, which we posted to the athletes connected Twitter, which is at a T H S underscore connected. Um, and she actually saved, a, I want to say it was three, might've been four uh, penalties in the gold medal game against Sweden uh, to win Canada's first gold medal in Olympics history. Um, you know, she fought migraines and, you know, she worried, uh, she worried about depression and she uh, dealt with the pressures of the game uh, quite a bit uh, and ultimately recognized those received help and uh, has been open about the battles that she's faced. And, you know, she was a key catalyst in their victory against Sweden. So I wanted to shout her out and recognize the, her openness in her mental health journey. Absolutely. And I think, like we've talked about many times, the more people in the more arenas, not just in sports, but in all of life that are able to speak out about their experiences with mental health issues and normalize them, um, the better outcomes we will have as a society and the fewer tragedies and and the more potential realized. And and on that note, um, you know, I have a few thoughts. I want to get your take, though, as well with Simone Biles and the you know, her decision to withdraw and to note that, you know, her mental health was the reason. Um, obviously, it it triggered the Internet, the Internet, you know, social media was a buzz. People had lots of opinions. The thing that struck me the most was how many assumptions there were about, you know, people thinking that they knew her her case. And as we know that anybody commenting online absolutely does not know her case, because if they did, that would mean they were her treatment providers and would be violating HIPAA and committing a crime. So the amount of people saying things like, oh, she had a thousand days to deal with this since Rio, or, you know, if you knew you were struggling, why not give a spot to somebody else that's selfish? Um, or, you know, even don't you just have one more performance in you? I know it's tough, but come on. And I know I have you know, ways to sort of refute all of those. But I was, you know, curious at just your take on people's reactions, more so on the negative side. Obviously, I was very proud of plenty of people supporting her and and backing her decision um, to mind her mental health and to prioritize it. But if there was anything that struck you uh, about that situation, about her withdrawal and about sort of the fallout, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. I think her situation is very unique compared to many other sports athletes because she partakes in a sport that could cause bodily harm to herself. Um, and most times when we think of sports that are extreme, we're thinking of well, like BMX biking, skateboarding, you know, any of the snowboarding events that take place where you could literally fall, break your neck and get seriously hurt. She does these acrobatic spins, twists and somersaults in the air that onto apparatus, apparatus, apparatuses, uh, that, um, 
could literally hurt her or kill her. Um, and so in order for her to compete and to perform them appropriately, and it's not just in the one or two times that she does it when the cameras are on, it's the hundreds of times in practice that she has to perform these and conduct these to perfection in order to not only win, but just to stay safe. Um, and there are thousands of other people who do something just like her um, that also have to go through this. Now, if you are in that state and you have any self-doubt, it's not just a doubt about, can I sit the landing? It was a doubt of, can I spin enough to make sure that I don't fall down and hurt myself? And it's not just falling down and breaking a leg or breaking an ankle. Like it's literally, you know, a, a life decision for her every time going down the runway to take a vault that no one else can perform. And to complete it successfully and safely is something completely different. Now, I'm sure in her heart of hearts, and clearly this was the case, she thought she could overcome it. She tried her very best to do so, and she gave it a go. It, I don't think she should be faulted for that whatsoever. I think, if anything, she should be commended for the fact that she didn't continue on. She took her time. She thought about it, and she said, hey, I can't keep doing this. You know, maybe on the beam I can do it, which she ultimately did in the individual. But like she had a floor routine, which also included things that were very acrobatic and very dangerous. She did things on the bars that would have been the same thing. And she makes those things look easy, as does all the people that she competes against. They make those look very, very, very easy. They are not. They are highly coordinated, complicated things on a physical level that we as a normal person can't understand. And I would love, and this is, has nothing to do with mental health, if you want to just prove how tough these things are, whether it's gymnastics or sailing or running or whatever, put average Joe or Jill out there and let them try and get on the bars and do a couple flips or handstands. And let's see how that goes. So anyway, with all that said, I understand why some people are like, oh, she quit on her team. I don't think she quit on her team. There's no one else on her team that can do what she does. Like that was the best chance of winning was her competing. And they still almost won even without her. So I commend her for giving it a try. I commend her for recognizing that her physical health um, was paramount in that situation, that her mental health was infringing on her physical ability to perform and to assist her team. And in a way, her team still got a silver medal. That's how good they were. And I don't know that you know the outcome would have been much different. had If she competed, they'd probably get bronze or something worse. So um, I don't want to drag on too much. We've talked about it enough in, in, you know, on my side of things, but... Uh, I really think the naysayers, they're very selfish. People are not fair um, and everybody just wants to be heard. And, you know, they, they are mainly just jealous of the fact that she has a great platform and she's super talented and I think good for her. Yeah, absolutely. You, you hit on really all the points. Um, also was able to check in with my English professor father that it is it apparatus or apparatuses are both correct, but apparati would be a hyper correction, apparently. Um, but no, it, it's exactly right. Uh, the mental and physical health are inextricably linked, doing something extremely dangerous. And who knows if there was additional mental health issues that she was experiencing as well that could have complicated things further. Um, but you know, something that ultimately brought mental health conversation to the forefront. And for that, I'm very grateful. Uh, speaking of news coming to the forefront, Jeremy, the NCAA, as you I'm sure heard and are well aware, has approved student athletes to profit or make money off of their name, image and likeness. And as a former student athlete myself, 
Uh, I have a ton of thoughts about this and could go lots of directions, but the one that I sort of want to focus on is the dynamic um, of everybody's, of course, desire to get money, especially if you're a college student athlete and you don't have any with the locker room and the concept of trying to achieve as a team and how those things um, might be in in conflict or even uh, really taking you in opposite directions with your with your actions and your endeavors as a player. I mean, can you imagine taking yourself back to to running in college? And if you had teammates who were more focused on, you know, for instance, making a couple hundred thousand dollars or even more than that rather than training. And all of a sudden the guys who are running the best times are falling back and farther back and farther back. And for me, I think of Denard best teammate, one of the best teammates I ever had great guy could have made probably millions of dollars as a quarterback when he was at Michigan. Um, But I don't know if he would have been the same leader, brought the same energy, had the same amount of time to study the playbook and to, you know, be the quarterback. And so it just, it, it brings up, it's going to bring up a whole couple of industries along with it, but we're just scratching the surface. And uh, I'm curious what it's going to do to the actual internal workings of teams. So I think two parts to that, I think from a time standpoint with the individual people, my guess is they aren't going to lend any more time than they want to lend to the people who want to give them sponsorship. I mean, why would they? They're, you know, the, the people who want their time are going to be the ones who are paying for their for them anyway. Um, and I think where the money might come in for those people, like a Denard, for example, would be, I mean, how many thousands of his jerseys were sold during that for it was the first night game, right? So like of course he should, you know, receive the proceeds from that and how many other sports had their jerseys. I remember speaking with Paul Rabel, who is a um, former Hopkins lacrosse legend now runs the PLL. And he uh, talked about how his jerseys were sold in the campus bookstore and he didn't see a penny from that. Um, but then he talked about how, like, I don't know that would have really changed me too much because we were there to win. And I think it really would matter on the team, the dynamics of sports and the coaches. And that would be my second point is, has really come down to what the focus is. Why are you there? Are you there to make the money? Then you're going to have certain programs that are going to be more tailored toward that. If you're there to win, you're going to have something else. And I think the coaches and administrators and teammates and the leaders, um, and I'm talking about like senior and junior leaders who emphasize that will kind of show that like, if we win and we succeed, like, you know, the money will follow regard, you know, that type of thing. And I think it will kind of, I think the first couple of years will take a little adjusting because you'll have some people who the first year they got something and then some people who were there for their last year and got something or vice versa, didn't get anything. But then in like three or four years, everybody will have had the opportunity to get something. And that's going to be a pretty equal playing field in my, in my opinion. So um, in some ways it opens up cans of worms. You see what BYU is doing where they're offering all their, walk on players and opportunity to be sponsored because they can't offer them a scholarship and they worked with their, um, their corporate sponsors to make that happen. I will, it's kind of the wild, wild West. There's going to be so much to sort out. I think the team dynamics in a way will have to work out themselves. You're going to have the leaders on the team who will kind of get people straight. And I think, and the, the same things will still take place that have always taken place at the end of the season. Everyone will be assessed. If you're not part of the team or if you're not doing your thing, you might be looking for a transfer or you might be asked to take a lesser role. And ultimately if you're not playing, you might not be getting much of anything anyway. So 
I think there's, there's a little bit of checks and balances in there, but I think on the whole for individuals, it's a positive thing. I think we'll actually reconcile a lot of things in the locker room for the most part. I think it'll make people feel like that their time is more valuable because it is a job. Well, I mean, let's be completely honest. You know, we were both athletes um, and those 20 hours a week are still 20 hours a week. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it, you had all the extra sessions that went along with it in the, in requirements. And, um, in terms of, you know, I think of track and field and, and the tennis athletes and the golf athletes that have more than just a single season of actual competition. It's a lot. It wears on you. And like the summer comes down you're like, now I don't want to do anything except, Oh my gosh, I have to train for the fall. So, uh, yeah, it'll be different from sport to sport. And I know that the footballs and basketballs and hockeys and, and some of the other ones will see different benefits from it. But I hope, I hope um, that doesn't cause too much discord. I know it might still, but I think it won't change too many things. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe it will just be the market sort of correcting itself um, for the most part. And you'll have the unique cases that stand out, like the Alabama quarterback who they say might be a millionaire hasn't played a snap yet. And, and you know what, maybe that's just a market correction. And if your play doesn't, doesn't match, you know, whatever else you're doing on the outside, the coaches don't care. They'll be quick to to put the best guy on the field. So, or best, best uh, lady on the field or in the arena. So we'll see how it plays out. It probably will birth a couple of new industries, whether there'll be agents for college athletes, who knows, um, but a lot to pay attention to. And, and also just around the corner is football season, which, you know, has yours truly very excited. Um, Going to get to do some fun camaraderie with the football alumni here at Michigan. Uh, Coach Harbaugh is hosting us tomorrow for uh, practice and a little bit of uh, just getting to, to reminisce with former players, guys that we consider brothers and, uh, and see how the current team is, is getting after it during two days. So definitely looking forward to heading down to uh, Sean Beckler hall tomorrow. And uh, I'm sure it will bring back, you know, all the feels, as they say. Well, it'll be really good to reconnect with everybody. That'll be a lot of fun. Just a couple other things uh, that happened in sports since we've uh, talked to you guys in July. Uh, The Seattle Kraken, Jeremy's new favorite hockey team, has completed their draft and has their roster. Um, The best soccer player in the world or second best, depending on if you're uh, on the Ronaldo or Messi side, is now officially a member of PSG, that is Paris Saint-Germain. I'm sorry, my dad and all French speakers for the pronunciation. Um, But he moved from his club, Barcelona, where he had been for, I think, 21 years, even as a teenager in their training program, moved to Paris. So in the soccer world, uh, it's the equivalent of LeBron changing teams or uh, Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. Um, So big deal. And then... uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks became NBA champions. And I just think that's one of the coolest stories from being a street vendor in Greece as a teenager um, to being an NBA champion, you know, 10 years later is, is pretty remarkable. So um, our love of sports shines through on this podcast. And because it's Jeremy's last episode, we figured we'd uh, expand the sports minute and, and have it be a, a larger segment as, in lieu of a guest this time. So Jeremy, anything else in the world of sports that has caught your mind that you want to touch on or, or anything that I touched on that uh, you want to predict such as a crack in Stanley cup? 
given the way the expansion draft went, I do not think the Kraken will be competing for a Stanley Cup, but it is very exciting. Um, they they visit Detroit in December, and I am provided it's safe to go. I'm going to be there. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I, I'm excited to have hockey back. I haven't had a, you know, I've rooted for the Flyers, but I haven't had a true team to support full on since the Whalers left Hartford way back when in 1997. And so it would be nice to have another team to root for once again, especially in the winter in Seattle, since they haven't had the Sonics since 08. No doubt. Let's get basketball back in Seattle as well. I'm hoping KD will open a franchise there. Kevin Durant, when all said and done, when he's done uh, being one of the best players of all time. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I know this is your final episode. Um, bittersweet for sure. Going to miss you. Um, Want to turn it over to you for for any last words in addition to your traditional sign off. So, uh, thank you from me and from all of us at the Depression Center for really all that you've done. Tremendous amount of work, and uh, we'll miss you, man. It's been a blast. I've had a wonderful time hosting this podcast. We I almost made it a year with it, and I know that you'll continue it on, continue it on, and, and do wonderful things. I hope you find a a good co host or a rotation of guest co hosts to do this with you. That concludes this episode of the Mental Minute with Michigan Medicine. Uh, as always, we ask you to tell your friends about us. Please subscribe, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you comment or a question for Will, not me, uh, email him at mentalminute at umich.edu. Uh, make sure you follow the Eisenberg Family Depression Center on social media. The Twitter handle is at DepressionCNTR. Like us on Facebook at University of Michigan Depression Center and follow Michigan Medicine on Instagram at UMichMedicine. Uh, visit DepressionCenter.org for more information about all the activities, events, programs, and research. And make sure you have a, half, uh, have a uh, safe end to your summer. Get vaccinated. Wash your hands. We'll catch you in September. Take care.